uh, I titled the message, The Prayer Key. The Prayer Key. Prophecy. Prophecy is God's agenda for those living on the earth. Prophecy is heaven's agenda for those living on the earth. What heaven, what God wants for, for, to happen in your life. That's what prophecy is all about. However, the scriptures, everything that's written here, these great and precious promises are God's agenda, His will, Heaven's agenda for your life. But none of this will come to pass without prayer from you. As great as God is, and He is the greatest, He cannot do anything in your life that you don't want and that you don't ask from Him. You have to pray. This is the state with man. We have to pray. God reserves judgment to himself. But for God to do anything on the earth, he requires the cooperation of somebody, a human being, living here on the earth. That's why the Bible says, I seek, God said, I seek for one man to bridge the gap. I couldn't find one. He came down himself. There's got to be a man on the earth asking heaven's will to be done in your life and on the earth. Otherwise, it will not be done. So that's what this is. Prayer. God expects us to pray. God puts a desire in your heart. That's coming from him. He wants you to give that desire back to Him. He takes that desire. He breaks it. He blesses it. He gives, he gives it back to you multiplied. But you have to be involved with it. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 4 verse 26 about Seth. It says, And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enoch. Or in us. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Seth is the third son of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. And God judged Cain and threw him out. But Adam had another son. And that was Seth. Seth gave birth to a, a boy named Enos. And from that time on, mankind began to call on the name of God. Meaning, if you are human, you need to call on the name of God. That's just hum, being human. You need to pray. Praying as part of our lives. You have to pray. So that's what God has required from men. So at that time, in the time of Seth, they discovered that prayer was very necessary for man. They started calling upon the name of the Lord. 
in Psalm 65 verse 2, it says, Oh, you who hears prayer, to you all flesh, how many flesh? All flesh will come. We need to pray. It doesn't matter who you see out there looking like there's nothing going on in the last. Everyone at every time has something that's going on in their life that they don't like. That's just the way it is. That's you, being human. You're dealing with something, I'm dealing with something. What you're dealing with may be different from what I'm dealing with, but every single human being is going through something in their life. You get, you get one problem resolved, another one shows up. And usually this problem is a, a problem with a different color and different shape. And you're saying, I handle the other one. You don't look like something I can deal with. That's just the way life is. And because we, can, we don't have the ability to deal with these issues, God has placed this requirement on us. We need to pray. We call to God. Unto God who hears prayer. God wants to answer your prayer. God is there to answer prayer. It doesn't matter how far you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. If you begin to call on God from a sincere heart, no matter how difficult the situation is, God will hear. That's why He is God. And that's why the psalmist says, You are God. You hear prayer. God answers prayer. God's ears are always open to prayer. He wants to answer prayers that are coming from people that are living on the earth. So, we need to pray. If you are a man, you need to pray. Prayer is a requirement for everybody living on the earth. In Luke chapter 18... Verse 1, the scripture says, Jesus gave a parable saying to them, Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Meaning, the only thing that can hold you up when difficulties come, your friend cannot help you. Nobody can help you. When tough times come, the only thing that can help you is prayer to God. You've heard that prayer is powerful. Prayer is not powerful all of of its own. Prayer is powerful only because of the nature of the one that's on the other end of prayer. His person is, he will answer your prayer if you will pray. It's so easy to keep running around looking for answers, calling friends and seeking advice, that's good. But the most important thing for anybody to do when things don't make sense, the best thing to do is find a place to call on God and pray to God. He will answer. He will enlighten your mind. He will help you to understand what problem you're dealing with. How to get around the problem. He will help with the solution. So we always depend on God for prayer. If you are a Christian and you are not praying, situations are going to come into your life 
that will make you lose heart. And you'll begin to see things differently. Because the enemy will begin to minister to you. Only in the presence of God that your eyes can truly be open to understand what is really going on. And once God gives you that, the answer is right there for you. So we don't look to the things that we're seeing, but we look to God. Now, in Amos chapter 3 verse 7, God says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophet. So God always has a secret. God keeps secrets. God specializes in keeping secrets. But when God's going to do something that will affect your life, your family, generations to come, the whole world, your whole life, your world, He will reveal it first to His servant. Notice what the scripture says. It says, surely, no doubt, the Lord God does nothing. Nothing means nothing. God does nothing unless he reveals his secret. Whatever he's wanting to do, he'll reveal it to his servant first before he's done. Now, when God reveals something to you, it's not for you to start talking about and rapping about and complaining about because you can see the reason he's revealing it to you is for you to pray. That's all he's doing. He wants you to see the problem, maybe problem in your own life, not to get you down, but to cause you to pray. He won't do anything unless the servant of God is praying. Remember in Amos chapter 3 verse 3, he says, How can two walk together except they are in agreement? So God reveals to you what's going on to get you to be in agreement with him. And then you give him what you can give as human. And then he brings the divine and he brings a miracle to avert the problem. He knows what's going to happen. He shows you, you can see the signs. And it's not to frighten you. He's showing you this is going to happen if something doesn't happen, if no one prays. And if you stand in the gap, that problem is averted. So God says he will not do a thing unless he's actually revealed it to his servant. Now we can see that in Genesis chapter 6, beginning from verse 13, when God was about to destroy the world. He had a friend, Noah. He spoke to Noah and said, Look, the end of the world has come before me. The end of the world has come before me. So he's revealing the secret. No one knew. Noah didn't know. But God knew and said, The end of the world, you have to understand something. God created the world and the world speaks back to him about what's happening. We'll come to that. Whatever is going on in your life speaks back to God 
And God looks at what's going on and He says, this is going to happen. He knows what's going to happen because of what's coming from your life or from a nation or from a city. These things report back to Him and God has to say, okay, what's the next plan? How do we do this? How do we handle this? We need a man. And you are the man. Something to your family, He reveals it. He needs you. We have to understand. These are principles that we must see from the Word of God, not to frighten us, but to know how to operate with God. So God gets you to agree. So He told Noah, this is going to happen. And He said, build an ark. And Noah, for a hundred years, was preaching to the people, trying to avert the problem. God gave him 100 years. Peter told us in his writing, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But they didn't listen. Why? God was just trying to get, maybe get Noah to convince the people. He did the same thing with Abraham before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He appeared before Abraham. And he says, Can, shall I hide from Abraham the things that I'm about to do? God will always reveal it. He'll let you know. The signs will be there. And you have to recognize the signs. And he began to speak to, uh, to Abraham. Look at what he says. In verse 20 of uh, Genesis chapter 18. He says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and, and because their sin is very great, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come before me. So there was an outcry from the city coming to the presence of God saying, you've got to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you see it from the word? There was an outcry from the city against Sodom and Gomorrah because of what was happening there. And that outcry can be against your life. It's not the devil. It's because of what's going on. And the outcry is coming against your life because the enemy says, I've got a right, they've got to be destroyed. The only thing that can avert it is prayer. Prayer before God. And for the believer, that's what God has given to us. And the, mess, the title of this message today is The Prayer Key. The Prayer Key. A very powerful key to unlock any door you want unlocked. No matter how, lo how long that door has been locked, you can unlock that door if you understand what God is saying and you cooperate with God, God will unlock that door for you. And release will come. So the outcry was there. And what God was doing was soliciting Abraham's prayer to stop him. Some man praying to stop Sodom and Gomorrah from being destroyed. Abraham needed to intercede. And Abraham turned to the Lord and said, Now, uh, Lord, uh, uh, are you going to destroy the righteous with the sinners? Peradventure, we got 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. You are, you, are you going to really destroy 
the righteous with the sinners. He says, far be it from you that you should do a sin as this. To destroy the righteous with sinners. You know what that, where that places you? As a, a one who believes in Christ? That places you so high. God cannot destroy a city where you are and you are living your life for God. God cannot bring harm to your life when you're living for God. Abraham said, far be it from you that you should do a thing such as that. To destroy the righteous with, with the sinners. Shall not the judge of the whole earth do right, he said. And God's reply was, okay, Abe, I'm going to come down. If you got 50 people, I won't do anything about Sodom. I mean, God was going to listen to the outcry. He was going there to test it, to see if it was right. And if it was right, he was going to destroy Destroy. But he wanted Abraham to pray about this. And Abraham said, okay now, I know, but uh, that's that place in his head, I'm sure. He's thinking, boy, I'm not sure if we got 50 people that are righteous in that place. I got to go down a little bit. So he went down. He said, okay, Lord, that's good. Cool, the way we say it in America, right? Cool, but, but, but what if it's just 40 people? Just 40. And God said, Okay, for 40 people, I'm not going to do it. And he said, well now, please don't get upset with me. I need to calm down a little bit. I'm not too sure if we will really find 40 people that are righteous in this place. Let's calm down some. What about 30? And God said, yes. He felt encouraged. God, please don't get upset. I want to go down a little bit more. And he went all the way till he got to 10. And he thought, he, he, for sure, there would be ten people in that place that are righteous. He was wrong. And after he mentioned ten, he, God said yes. He said, okay, fine. You can go test it now. There were less than ten there. But I believe if there are ten people, we won't be speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah the way we're speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah today. God would have spared the city. That's how powerful... The prayer of the righteous is. We'll hold back the hand of God against a whole nation. But what about your life? You're righteous before God. What about your life? What about your prayer for your family? Your prayer for the church? God will do wonders if we pray. God, Jesus said this then. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's going to stop God from doing what he wants to do on earth? That's what I think. Your God... Why should I pray that your will? You know what you want to do. Get it done. I don't need to pray. It doesn't happen that way. God needs a man on the earth to ask him to do what he wants to do. God wants to bless your family, but he will not bless the family until you pray. 
you got to pray it in. It's the prayer key that God has given to us. We can pray. God's will is never done. I, I, I came up with this because I noticed as I read scriptures that Jesus will always refer to himself as the son of man. You heard that? I would say, well, why does he want to call himself son of man? He is son of God. And many times, even before he does a miracle, he says, so that they may know that the son of man. That the son of man may be glorified as a boy. You're the son of God. You're, in my mind, you're son of God. Why do you call yourself son of man? Son of man means I'm human. That's what he's saying. The son of man has authority on the earth to do this. That's what he was letting Satan know. You don't have authority here. Spirits don't have authority to do anything here, including God. But when, he, when they bind with a man, that's why the Antichrist cannot come into our world, just appear as Satan. He's got to find a man to walk through to influence the earth. Because God gave the earth to us. And the heavens to himself. The devils cannot operate. That's why they're constantly looking for people to possess and to oppress. So that they can walk through the person. It's a murderous spirit. He wants to kill, but he can't just go out and kill anybody. He finds some person that is not thinking straight and possesses that person and tells the person, kill that person. They're evil. And that's what's happening in the world. But God is saying, when we gain understanding and we pray, we can stop all of that. We can actually pray His will to be done on the earth, and the will of God will be done. Don't blame the president. <laughs> Don't blame the senators. Christians are not praying. Because God has given us, well, I mean, they're doing something, okay? But there is, all of that could change. If we pray, all of that will change. God can send an angel to this congressman in his room and tell him, you know, you're better. And he, the next day he's a transformed man and he's running like crazy. Oh, yes. But we need to pray. We need to pray. So the will of God is not done until you pray. The will of God is not done in your life until you pray. Jesus wants to save everyone. But until you ask him into your life, he won't come in. He doesn't have the right to come in. You have to deliberately, through understanding, say, I want him in my life. God doesn't force himself on anybody. When God wants to do something great, he will begin to walk with the man and persuade the man until the man understands. And when you receive what he's saying, then he walks through you. That's just the way it is. The will of God is only done when we allow God to work on the earth. In Matthew 6, verse 9, 16, verse 19, it says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. How many got keys from the kingdom of heaven? Most people are not sure. They say, Pastor, what keys? Keys open doors, right? 
Doors are usually locked. You are on one side, and if you want to go in, you need to use the key to go to the other side. The kingdom of God has a lot for your life. But it's short. The secret, there's a secret there. But Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of God. And with those, with those keys, you can open any door you want opened. You don't need pastor's prayer. You just need God to give you the key. And the key is found in the word of God. You can always find that there. He says, and I will, meaning there's no doubt about it. God will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on the earth, it says whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you bind, um, whatever you lose on the earth will be loose in heaven. Now, is Jesus just telling us things that really can happen? He was just trying to make us feel good about ourselves. He was just speaking, just to speak. These words are real. Whatever you bind on the earth, that's prayer, right? Whatever you bind on the earth is bound in heaven. Well, why is it bound? Because heaven wants it bound. You need to bind it first before heaven binds it. Even though heaven wants it bound. That thing that's negative, that's oppressive to you, that's causing problem, God says, I give you keys to the kingdom. And the keys to the kingdom is to bind and loose. Can I hear an amen? The keys to the kingdom is for binding and loosing. How many Christians bind? How many Christians lose stuff in their life? How many believers really spend time praying before God? How many believers have a prayer life? These things are very important. Prayer is just a part of a Christian's life. It's, not, not, it's nothing to brag about. You know, when I spend a lot of time praying, well, that's what you should have been doing all along. No big deal. You don't go on about saying, I pray, I pray a lot. That doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to be praying a lot. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. The reason things are going wrong, you're not praying. That doesn't mean things won't go wrong when you're praying, but at least you have your peace. You enter into his rest when you're praying. Prayer is the key for everything for the believer. And Jesus demonstrated that to us. You can't be too smart that you think you don't need prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, needed prayer. He spent a lot of time praying. I used to wonder, he's the Son of God. He has no sin. What is he praying about? Why is he spending so much time all night praying before God? What is he praying about? I mean, he's God. What could he need? Who can destroy him? Why was he praying? He was showing us that if you are a man, 
You ought to pray. You ought to have a prayer life. There must be something. I mean, it doesn't matter when you want to pray. Some people want to pray in the morning. Some people can pray during the noon. But you have to have a prayer life. Because if you don't have a prayer life, you really cannot understand what's going on around you. And so most people blame the devil all the time. The devil this, the devil that, the devil this, the devil did that. What's God doing? Why is it all the time the devil? So we got to spend time with God. That's when God can give you peace. That's when you can enter into His rest. And that's when God can tell you, don't worry about what you see with your eyes. We're walking by faith. Things are going to be better. Weeping may last for the night. But joy is coming from in the morning. Don't worry about it, son. Don't worry about it, daughter. I'm just letting you go through this because I got something for you. I got to train you, son. I got to train you, daughter. I got something bigger than you. But if I don't train you this way, you never get there. So as you pray, you gain understanding. And then God begins to unfold certain things to you to let you know, yes, don't worry. I'm with you. I'm taking care of things. You can deal with the situation right now. Don't look to it because something bigger is coming. But I need to, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't worry about it. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what God's called you to do. Keep praying. Keep calling on my name. Keep calling on the blood of Jesus. Your deliverance is on His way. And you'll get there. And just don't quit. That's why He says, if you are a man, you ought to pray. It's, you are not doing anything much if you are prayer. If you pray a lot. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And if you're not praying a lot... That means you are not doing what you're supposed to do. You don't feel more spiritual pain. For me, it's only the way to survive. <laughs> That's the only way to survive. Because you're coming at, things are coming at you from every angle. Some are really baffling. What am I supposed to do? All of this got to be through prayer. Many things sometimes don't make sense. How many have been there? Is it just me? Some things don't make sense at all. But you can always trust Him. And sometimes God is so good, even before you make up your mind, as you're going on your knees, He speaks to you. In your heart. He's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. That carries you through whatever is happening. It's such a peace. For me, it's survival. It's real survival. I need this to survive. Because the Bible says, if you are human, even if they look like they are happy and nothing, the world is a bliss. I'm having fun. It's a lie. There's something going on there that's hurting them. Everyone goes through that. Everyone. Everyone is struggling. Everyone is going through something. The only help. He says, give us help from heaven, the scripture says. The help of man is vain, empty. Only God can help. So we must pray. So we pray for his will to be done on the earth. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. You have to bind that thing. You have to speak against it. 
the enemy comes in, and usually the enemy, he's not always there, but he brings the suggestion uh, to cause all the problems. And after he stands around watching what you do with all of these things crumbling around you, but you bind those things and you lose. Whatever you lose on the earth, this is another scripture. We had Matthew chapter 16, now you got Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus telling us the same thing. They're exactly the same thing. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, that means he wants us to be what? Binding and loosing. We have to do it. We have to do it. You look at the circumstance, don't make sense, bind it. Lose it. Yes. You use the scriptures. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, God, you have condemned it, and I condemn that voice. That's what you do. You use the scriptures. You begin to bind, and you use scriptures to lose the things that you have learned from the scriptures. You use them for prayer, to fight the good fight of faith. Now, in, in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, I, b- I believe verse 18, Paul says, you know, I want to remind you, I challenge you, I charge you, Timothy, my son, according to the prophecies, I'm charging you according to the prophecies that have gone before you, that through these prophecies you might wage a good warfare. So you use what God has spoken in his word to wage a good warfare for your deliverance. And it comes only through prayer. This is the real spiritual warfare. That's what we need to do. You bind and loose. And he says, if two shall agree, if it's not working, find somebody that will agree with you. Don't find a flaky person that tells you, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. Find somebody that's going to agree with you and stay in agreement with you. Many times, Christians come together in prayer and they come to you, you know, very piously. And they say, well, brother, I need you to agree with me in prayer. You agree with them in prayer, and they turn around, and they're speaking something negative. They just came out of agreement. I thought we just agreed. Now you're saying, we just agreed. And Jesus said, if two of you shall agree concerning what? Anything that you shall ask, he shall be granted. We just prayed and agreed, and then you turn your back, and you're saying, I wonder if God's going to do this for me. When is he going to do? You just came out of agreement. That's why you never look for flaky people to agree with you. Because you pray with them and, and, and you say, agree with me, I'm feeling this thing and, and, and I need help. Agree with me, I want God to deliver me. They pray with you and agree for God to deliver you. And then the next minute they're telling you, I know a friend that had that and they didn't last for two weeks, they died. What kind of prayer is that? What kind of agreement is that? I don't want any agreement with this fellow. Please, he's coming this way. Yes, he's a brother. Yes, he's a sister. He's coming with his agreement this way, and I'm running the other way. We're not going to be in agreement in this. So look for somebody that's going to agree with you. But Jesus is very clear. He says, if two shall agree concerning anything, where? On the earth. If, you are, if I'm still standing here and I can find somebody to agree with me, I got it made. The problem is finding somebody who is going to agree with me. That's the problem. Two. I'm glad I didn't do this. <laughs> two. Just two people to agree with you. The words of Jesus mean something. 
That prop, God is a God who wants to answer prayers. But we need to pray. He is the one who hears prayer. To you, all flesh will come. And I'm flesh, I'm coming. God, watch me, I'm coming. I got problems, I'm bringing them to you. You are the one who hears prayer. You hear prayer. I'm coming to you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him. Because what? He cares for you. How do you cast the care? You're going to take it off you and hold it up like that? No. You tell, you give it over to him in prayer. But God has guaranteed he will answer your prayer. He will. That's who he is. God answers prayers. Now, I get into this area where it's really exciting for me. It's something to shout about. Because I find out that God makes a distinction between his people, we got into this earlier, between his people and the rest of them. It's very exciting to me. He says in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22 to 23, he says, And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies, when you see flies, that's decay, that's death, right? Flies, decay, death. No swarm of flies shall be there among my people, in order that they may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people, that's Satan's people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. So notice, you may be an American, but you don't have to suffer everything the other Americans are going through. Because God makes a distinction. You don't have to. You don't have to suffer what they're going through. God makes a distinction. No decay. He's going to do that for your life. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 4, he says, And the Lord will make a difference. He goes back again to the same thing. The Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. The Egypt represents the world. Your finances. God's going to make a difference. Your resources. God says, I'm going to make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Your finances will not die. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Your family will not die. God will take care of you. Because God has made the distinction between you and the rest of them. So what that is, is for the people of God, God's people are special to Him. He will tell them because they are His friends. And He's wanting them to walk, cooperate with Him to do what He wants to do. So God separates you from the rest of the world. And your prayer means a lot to him. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, it says that the children of God are a chosen generation. You're not just ordinary. God shows you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. As a child of God, you are not just a priesthood, you are, because you belong to the king of kings, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
And the Bible says God's special people. That's who you are on the earth. Every one of you is an ambassador from heaven. God placed you here. To bring light to the earth. And to make, bring salt to the earth. Without you, the world would be tasteless. Without you, they will be in darkness. How do you affect this light? How do you bring the light of God so that the world can be in light? How can you make the world tasteful? God says you were chosen. But he placed you here for a reason. You are a priest. What do priests do? They go to God for men, right? They stand between men and God. You are a royal priesthood. So God made you that. So what's your purpose? Is to go between God and man, taking information that's negative from man, and bringing it to God so that God can make it positive to you. And then you bring the positive thing and you deliver to them light. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not to show all the negatives. The negatives are always there. If you're looking for faults, you always find it. If you look hard enough, you find fault in anybody. They found fault in Jesus, didn't they? You always find fault. So that's not the important thing. The important thing is to take light from God and deliver it to the world. You have those sitting before me right now, every one of you here, you have the ability to change the United States. That's the, according to the word of God. You can change the course of this nation. You won't do it by griping and complaining. It's not going to change. When you complain and gripe, you're just part of the problem. You're not the solution. God didn't call you to be part of the problem. Be a solution. Don't mean you can't talk about what's going on, but when you talk, let it hit your heart so you pray. So that things, the changes will come to the nation. That's how powerful God has made us. In Second Chronicles, it says, if my people will call, will, uh, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, the Second Chronicles 7 verse 14, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Will forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name, conditional, if, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You see, the Bible says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You know what grace is? It's God's power, enablement to get you to wherever you're going. Wherever he desires for your life. When there is pride, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. There is no better way to humble yourself 
than to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? And pray. And seek my face. When we humble ourselves before God, then God blesses us. But when we refuse to humble ourselves, God does not bless us. So I told you, just us here can decide to come together and say, this is what we want God to do for us. It may not be overnight, but God will do it. We can decide, this is what we want God to do for our church. It may not be overnight, but God will do it. If we stay in agreement, we can change the world. God will tell you what he wants to do, but then he wants you to seek him in prayer so that that's done. You can go around talking and resisting and and doing all of that to prove a point. You're not really making any progress trying to prove a point, trying to prove you're right. The best place to deal with that is before him. He will prove that you're right. That's the way I look at it. So, we seek his face. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 through 13. Key scripture that most Christians know. But what I see with believers is, believers take just the first part. They don't see the second part that is so crucial to the first part. And without the second part, you cannot really get to the first part. He says, God says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. So God, peace that means shalom, prosperity, thoughts of prosperity for your life. That's what I want for you, not evil, not to cut you off, not to put you down. I want to bless you. That's what God is saying. That's my thoughts for you. That's every one of you seated before God today, listening to what I'm saying. God's thought for your life is good. God's thought for your future is good. You may be dealing with some situations that are negative right now, but what God is thinking for you is good. And good is coming your way in Jesus' name. So know that. He says, I'm not confused about what I'm thinking about you. I know what I'm thinking about you. They're all good. There's nothing bad about it. No matter what you're going through, I'm thinking something good for you. My heart is indicting a good thing for you. To give you a future. And to give you hope. So your future is going to be good. Because that's what God's thinking. But you need to connect with God's thoughts. And then go and pray to him. Know what he, see what he says. Then you will call upon me. So when you know what God's thinking about you, which is good, okay? Then, only then, you will call upon his name. He says, then you will call on me. Excuse me. And I will. And you said, you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. So there is a going. Prayer is the key. Even though you know what the Bible says. You need prayer. Pray this stuff back to God. God you said this. God says in Isaiah bring your strong arguments. Make your case. Bring it back to him. 
Make your strong argument before God. Start calling on Him. God, you say this. And I tell God, you said in the day of your power, your people will be willing. So I keep calling on Him. God, make the Ark Fellowship, all of us, willing, including me. We need to be willing. Then you will go and pray, because you now know His thoughts. You will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And then look at what it says, and you will seek me and find me. When you find God, you find the thoughts that he has for you. That's what he's saying. You will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. That's when you will find him. I want to close this morning by telling you a story about David. David had lived this life. He was getting close to the end of his life. And he started thinking, I need... I need to build a house for God. I got this palace here. It's great palace. But God's just living in a tent. I want to build God a house. And so he called his friend who was a prophet. And he listened to the prophet. Even though he was the king, he listened to the prophet. He says, come. Uh, prophet, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? The prophet didn't pray about it. prophet says, go ahead. God's with you. Whatever you do is okay. <laughs> And prophet took off and he was walking up. I'm sure prophet was glad the house of God is going to be great now. And God says, go back to David. Tell him, no, I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to let his son do that. And God gave David a promise that his son will always be on the throne. Somebody from his line will be on the throne forever. And David was moved by that. And this scripture actually moved me. If you read, it says, after David heard this, verse uh, 18 of uh, first Samuel, uh, Second Samuel chapter 7, it says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. I like the word sat because you think, okay, he just went there and sat down and they started talking. I don't see it that way. I think he sat down in the house of God, just silent before God for a while, just thinking, wow, you mean God really said this to me? Wow. He sat before God, and then he began to say to God, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? I don't deserve all these things you're doing for me. He says, and yet this, is, this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? is asking God, I'm so grateful. Why are you doing this stuff for me? And you can read further how he praised God and thanked God for what God had spoken. What was he hanging on? The prophecy from a man. We'll forget Nathan was just his friend, but represent God and told him this and he took it to heart. Many of us want to see fireworks before we believe it's God speaking. But he accepted what was spoken by God and went and started thanking God. But before he ended his prayer, he said in verse 25, he says, Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it 
forever and do as you have said. In other words, he took the word that was spoken to him and went back to God in prayer. That's what we should do. Take what God has spoken, believe the scripture, and go back to God and thank him for everything, worship him, and then tell him, God, I need you to do it now. And God did it. He sent Jesus. And Jesus will always be on the throne because he came out of the line of David. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. I'm going to challenge you today. These words are not words of condemnation. I never speak words of condemnation. My words are believed by God's grace from my heart to encourage people. If you don't have a prayer time, the reason for this message, God is telling you, you haven't spoken to me about your problem. You've been talking to people, but you haven't talked to me. You confide in others, but you haven't confided in me. They can't really help you. I can. That's what this message is all about. And I'm telling you today as a servant of God, God wants to answer your prayer. Whatever that is. God can't wait to answer your prayer. He knows what the problem is. Don't pray the problem to him. Tell him what you want. Don't tell him the problem. He already knows that. But tell him what you want for your life. And back it with his word. He won't deny his word. Say, God, this is what you said. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. All you have to do is say, God, can you forgive me from being bad? But you know, I really need you now. That's honor for him. Amen? That's great honor. And tell him you know that he's faithful. And that he will answer your prayer. That honors him. When you have doubt, you dishonor him. So you tell him, God, I believe, just because I've spoken to you. Don't know when you're going to do it, but it's going to happen. And when you do that, I believe God will give you a sign. Usually a seal in your heart. What is called down payment, right? He deposits it there. You've been heard. The problem is not done, but God has heard you. The answer is on his way. Now, I need to let you know, no problem is bigger than God. There is no problem that God doesn't have an answer for. But we need to spend time with him. Pray until you feel the peace of God in your heart. And then you can go and face the world without fear, without doubt. That God is with you. And truly, he is with you. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord this morning? And thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his promises to your life. And remember, no matter how difficult the situation is right now, maybe you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. It's just too complicated. There are too many turns to this problem. And I don't even know where to start. That's a good problem for God. Amen.
very good problem. Take it to him. If you need wisdom concerning the problem, tell him, God, I don't understand it, but give me wisdom. There's nobody to go to but him. He's the only one who has the answers. People cannot really help you. The answer comes from him and him alone. He will command people to help you. And they will be there to help you indeed. Amen. Father, I want to thank you today for your word. I want to give you praise. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I pray that you unveil everything to your people. That they will see and believe that you are God. And that you are a good God. And that you love your people dearly. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Remember, don't be a forgetful here. Be a doer of the word. God bless you.